Welcome to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series, Paths to On-Farm Excellence, where we discuss priority topics for Canadian dairy farmers. My name's Stephen Roach. I'm the director and principal consultant for an animal health research consulting firm called Acer Consulting, which is based in Guelph, Ontario. I'm part of a team that's working with the Dairy Farmers of Canada to help showcase Canadian dairy farming stories, industry updates, and the latest science, advice, and perspectives on high-priority topics that relate to ProAction. You'll find this channel features a number of different series, from animal care to biosecurity and beyond. This podcast series features conversations with farmers, veterinarians, nutritionists, hoof trimmers, and other farm advisors, researchers, and many other industry stakeholders. Our next discussion takes place with Dr. Kelly Barrett, a veterinarian and practice owner of Heartland Veterinary Services that works in Ontario's Dairy Belt. I sat down with Kelly to discuss her perspectives on pain management for a variety of procedures on commercial dairy operations. We talked about animal health practices that require pain management, life on the dairy, and as a veterinarian without pain management, and where we're headed as an industry when it comes to managing our animals. So, let's jump in. Well, Kelly, it's exciting to be here in Listowel, Ontario, and get a chance to chat with you um, for the second time, as, as far as podcasts go, um, to to get your perspective a little bit on the Canadian dairy industry and specifically how it relates to pain management and, and some of the animal welfare um, issues associated with that and the practices that that we know are painful to different cows. Um, for for those of you that, uh, or for those of our audience that haven't had a chance to meet with you or or speak with you, um, could you give us a little sense of who you are and, and your role in the in the dairy industry today? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Steve. Uh, my name is Dr. Kelly Barrett. I am a large animal veterinarian and part owner of the clinic here at Heartland Vet Services. We are a three clinic, um, multi species mixed animal practice. We have thirteen cow vets on the road every day. So we have quite a large uh, vet clinic here and we do predominantly dairy. I've been in practice for 15 years now. It feels like just yesterday. <laughs> um, so I spend about half of my time doing herd health, um, preventative health medicine on dairy farms. Um, and then I spend the other half of my time working on contract for the Dairy Farmers of Ontario. And I've been hired there and working there for the last number of years in uh, a project where we're helping to roll out the, the ProAction Quality Assurance Program to dairy farmers in Ontario. Um, we're unique in that we use veterinarians in that role. And so that's me. I've, I've sort of been a bit of a liaison between Dairy Farmers of Ontario and Ontario bovine veterinarians. Um, in addition to that, I kind of more recently became involved in the dairy industry and in that my uh, partner is a dairy farmer. And so uh, um, we live along with my one-year-old son, Noah, on a dairy farm just up by Ayton where we milk uh, 60 cows in a tie stall. Yeah, it's, it's um, that's why it's so so much fun to talk with you. You've got such a, a array of perspective on this and so many other issues in the dairy industry. Yeah, it's really been an evolution for sure because I'm not from a dairy farm originally. So, so yeah, it's, it's come a long way. You've fully invested in the, uh, I, in the industry. <laughs> I've fully invested. Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of evolution and and sort of that 15 year um, years of experience you've got um, as a veterinarian in in practice. Um, 
how would you say things have changed from an, from an animal care perspective? I mean, you know, semi recently ProAction has come on the scene for us in, in Canada, um, of which animal care is a significant proportion or a significant mm-hmm. new aspect. But we've got things like the codes of practice, uh, which are being renewed as well, which sort of guide how we care and handle dairy cattle in Canada. And we've got a number of other research projects and things going. So from sort of when you're jumping out into practice from the vet college, and getting your feet under yourself to to where we are today. How have things changed? I think for sure there's just more awareness in general about pain in animals. Um, and, and some of that comes from the additional research that has gone on over the years. The codes of practice absolutely have been instrumental in, in getting more and more people aware. They were first done, the original was done in 2009, and we're hoping that the next version of that will be released in the fall of 2021. So it's, it is something that is always improving, always evolving. And I think really there's been a, a real push from all aspects from veterinarians, from farmers, and also from consumers about concerns about pain in animal. And that's helped to really drive that um, awareness from all aspects. So when it comes to pain management specifically, what do you think, I mean, again, we've had a number of changes uh, over the years um, in the way we look at, the way we understand pain, especially in our young animals and, you know, how do calves perceive pain and how do they act or show that they're actually experiencing pain and it's different from our adult uh, cattle. But what do you think has been some of the most significant changes we've seen? Well, I I mean, I I think for sure... um Having ProAction, which is that quality assurance um, program for dairy farmers within the industry, one of the one of the requirements in that all all of the requirements come from the code of practice, but one in particular was about having better pain control at the time of dehorning, mm-hmm. and and I really think that the dairy industry has taken that as a big step to have an actual industry led requirement that all farms will um, be using pain control and and not just pain control, but multimodal, so that there is both a local block um, for for local freezing for the dehorning procedure, as well as a longer acting uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory that's going to last for a few days after um, the the procedure is done. So I I really think that that's probably been the most significant change is, is not just the acknowledgement that we need to do a better job of pain control, but actually incorporating it into our day-to-day practices so that we can say that every dairy farm um, in in Canada is following these these proper pain control procedures for a very particular probably one of the most painful things that we actually do in cattle it, it is well covered for for pain control mm-hmm. and and as a clinic you you'll have uh, technicians that are going out and, and for many clients doing um, that that as a service really dehorning, right yeah. and so um was that how quick has it have has the veterinary world been to adopt pain management prior to it becoming sort of that requirement or expectation in uh in proaction well i i think it's come on really fast and furious over mm-hmm. the last 20 years i um I grew up in Bruce County around a lot of beef cattle, and I certainly remember riding around with veterinarians and and doing um, dehorning. Um, luckily, we don't have to do as much of that in beef cattle anymore. But um, we, and we and it was done without a lot of pain control. Mm-hmm. And I've really seen the evolution now, where you know that that never happens now. Mm-hmm. It is very. Um, I would say that that the pain control has been well adopted by by the cattle industry in general, and. 
especially once you have demonstrated yeah. to them what it looks like uh, with the, you know many many farmers, um, especially the older farmers, can remember performing painful procedures and, and how the animals responded, both during and and in the days following the procedure. And now that they can see it done with the local block plus the NSAID, and they can visually see it, it it's almost a no brainer. They're almost like, why why haven't we been doing this? Actually, it was a good comment at a producer meeting just last week. Was a producer said, you know, I I'm almost. I'm almost mad I didn't know about this 20 years ago. Like, why were we ever doing it a different way than we are now? Because it's just so um, profound. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that was going to actually be my question: was sort of how your clients and maybe producers that you've learned about, you know, have they been receptive to recommendations for the use of pain control? I mean, sometimes you might argue there's there's a cost to that. You know, the cost of the the, the medication itself. Um, do, do you feel like that is that a barrier, or is, have been, your clients generally been fairly receptive to the need for and, and the cost associated with pain control for these types of things? I, I don't think that cost has been a big barrier, especially when it comes to calves. Um, because they're small, they require very low doses. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'll, I'll say again, you know, particularly when we talk about disbutting with a hot iron, it's, it is one of it, the most painful procedures, I think, that we do on cattle. And so using a local block plus an NSAID where the calves can't even feel the burn, plus they've been given, um, you know, preemptive pain medication to, to get them through the next few days, Farmers do not have any issue with that. I've never had a producer complain about needing to use pain control in that situation. So so cost in itself isn't so much an issue there. Um, It could be in some cases, um, you know, we're starting to recognize that there are a myriad of painful things that can happen to an animal. It's not just dehorning. Um, Some some producers um, use a paste to dehorn, and so they the pain is a little bit delayed, and it is not um, the same type of pain mm-hmm. or the same type of procedure. So you don't end up with the same sort of local trauma to the tissue. So the 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 recovery is different, and the the feeling is different. And we don't necessarily understand the differences there, but we're, we're getting to learn more and more with research that's coming out. But but again, like you mentioned, different behaviors are shown. So that that can be confusing because, you know, you don't it, they're not reacting the same way. So then, is it even painful? And, and, and I mean, we, we know it it is painful. It's a chemical burn, but the way that the animal responds is different. So getting having those discussions about about the behaviors. Um, the other thing is, um, as far as other procedures go, or other I shouldn't even say procedures. As far as other illnesses yeah. go, mastitis. Um, n- pneumonia, respiratory illness. I mean, we all know what it's like to have a terrible case of bronchitis and, and how painful that can be, just breathing. Um, even like, uh, well, for sure, giving birth, um, use of epidurals, um, the postnatal and post uh, partum pain control. And so, and by postnatal, I mean for the, the calves as well, that sometimes a calving itself can be a traumatic experience for that calf and, and those animals can benefit from pain control. So I think we're, we're really learning um, how and when to use pain control. Mm-hmm. Cost could be an issue there. It certainly, it's not, um, it's not an inexpensive thing to give a full-grown mature Holstein dairy cow a, a dose of pain control. However, there are perks to that, which is hopefully she continues to eat and produce milk and maybe um, doesn't need to have secondary procedures done. Maybe that 
that gets her through. So she doesn't end up needing to have an LDA surgery, for example, yeah. right? Like I, I think that there are financial benefits to it as well. It's hard to weigh those out at the moment, but, but they're definitely there. Mm-hmm. I was going to actually, that's what I was going to mention, especially something like transition cow disease, something we continue to fight in the dairy industry on, on almost all commercial dairy yeah. farms, uh, for, for different reasons, depending on where we sit. But, but you know, I was just attending a meeting where we were talking about how, as a result of a painful experience like having a calf, um, that animal changes her behavior and her be- because of pain. And as a result of that behavior, you know, more lying time, less time um, eating, you know, we experience some of these transition cow diseases that ultimately cost us big money, right? And, and I think there's, it, there seems to be real opportunity for us to potentially better understand how pain control can, you know, well-timed, well-executed pain control can really add to our operation. Uh, absolutely. And um, in, in my experience dealing with producers, um, you know, certainly the cost does come into play. It's, it's the cost of doing business, but mm-hmm. I would also argue that... Um, I guess maybe not argue, we're not arguing about it, but, but certainly producers have said to me that, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we think that the animal is going to do better because we've addressed the pain control, um, the, the cost part of it isn't even the top of mind concern at that point. They just want their animal to be, um, back up and running in productive form as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Are you getting asked more questions uh, about pain management from your clients based on, you know, this? I, I agree with you. I think, you know, generally we're, we're all becoming more aware of, of sort of how cows feel, for lack of a better word, in yeah. terms of, you know, when are they feeling well, what's going on when they're not. Um, do you find, like, is this more of a conversation you're having as a result of ProAction or meetings that you do or just the services you're offering? Yeah, I, I think it is something that we talk about. And, um, you know, I... I, I understand that we don't like to anthropomorphize too much. Mm-hmm. You know, cows are not are not humans. Um, how, however, you know, I think we can all uh, relate or at least empathize with pain. And uh, you know, having given birth myself uh, just a year ago, and you know, my my biggest fears of you know what are the painful things that that could happen, right? I you know, giving birth itself. Um, I give a lot more epidurals now when I go to calvings um, and, and, you know, mastitis, thing, things that are, that we can, we can relate in, in a way to the fact that something would be a painful thing and knowing how that could impact us on the day to day. And so as much as I, again, I, I don't want to anthropomorphize too much. I think that producers can relate to um, those situations and it's just having that acknowledgement of, oh, is that, is that a painful procedure and, and explaining why. Uh, we we believe that things are painful and what the behaviors are for them to be able to watch. Mm-hmm. Nothing like firsthand experience, eh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I like how you've you've sort of ch- chunked out um, the difference between painful procedures and then other conditions mm-hmm. or, or diseases that that may be painful and. Under ProAction, I want to just given our experience together talking about ProAction and working within that, when we talk about painful procedures and, and the need for pain management, what do we tend to sort of, what falls under that umbrella? You've mentioned dehorning, disbudding. What else falls under that umbrella? Uh, some other things that, that we do on dairy farms would include um, extra teat removal would be considered a painful procedure mm-hmm. that's done. Um, not every farm chooses to do that, but but it is uh, it is done commonly. Um 
Castration. Again, not every farm chooses to castrate their bull calves, um, as many of them are going into the veal industry and they actually prefer them maybe not to be castrated, but some people do. Um, so timing that um, procedure, castration, to be done at the same time as uh, potentially the disbudding or dehorning, so where there's already pain control on board. Same thing with the extra teats, if we could pair that with the, with the pain control already given at disbudding or dehorning would be ideal. Um, and finally, uh, branding would be the other one. And I, I know that's not commonly done in Canada, but uh, it, sometimes it is. And so the uh, pain control also needs to be administered in, in that situation. And I think that's a nice catch-all for our industry. You know, you mentioned we aren't doing some of these things constantly or consistently, depending on our farms um, or even in Canada as in general. But I think it's good for our industry, you know, to be to be having those recommendations and those requirements to say this is needed and it's needed because we we understand that there's there's an animal welfare impact, there's an animal health impact, and, you know, I think it, it gives us a good reputation as Canadian dairy farmers. Absolutely. And... and um I think there's a lot of aspects of our industry that are working towards reducing the need to be doing some of these Mm -hmm. painful procedures. So from the genetic side, right, more and more pulled genetics, trying to make it so that we actually don't have to be doing dehorning and disbudding. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know that takes time and and, um, we need to have good records and and proofs on these bulls and, and that kind of stuff. But I think that is also another step in the right direction. And our science is developing, it seems, you know, leaps and bounds. So that may become more, you know more pragmatic for many farms in the near future, you know, that's right. Yeah. You never know what the technology will bring. Exactly. And so I I mentioned, you know, chunking out those versus procedures versus other, other conditions. And one condition you've mentioned mastitis, I think is a good example. Um, another one that is sort of a huge focal point for when it comes to animal health and welfare in our industry is lameness or injuries as well. But do you see, you know, pain management as, uh, are we doing this very commonly right now when it comes to treating or managing lame cows? And, and if not, is that, is that where we're headed? I hope it's where we're headed, Steve. I, I think we do in some situations, uh, but there are plenty of times where we may provide that animal with a different environment that might help support her recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but maybe we're not doing as good of a job as we could be. I think it's an area of opportunity for us to address pain control in these situations. Um, Again, I think we need to have some research behind us to help support that. And addressing different uh, technologies or or administration routes, oftentimes we are seeing um, lame cows are being seen by the hoof trimmer, maybe not by the veterinarian, or um, the producer themselves is dealing with it, which is Great, you know, the faster we can have an intervention, the better. But I think that uh, having the ability for those people to be able to um, identify, acknowledge, and then intervene with pain control would be would be great. And sometimes that requires a little bit of education and a little bit of technical skill to be able to, you know, for example, ad- administer a local block to a leg before, um, you know, performing a hoof treatment. For example, uh, right now our system is not set up to do that unless you're a veterinarian. And, and uh, so I think that there's some opportunity there for us. And um, just using pain control, and non-steroidal pain control um, in general, I think would be very beneficial uh, in the in mature cattle. And I would like to hope that 
further development will be there and make it more cost effective for producers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and I think you're right. I think that's exactly what we need to be thinking about is we are running businesses at the end of the day, but you know, there are, as I mentioned about genetics, things are changing all of the time and and lowering costs of production for some of the products that we're using, especially if they're being used more frequently, there's probably an economic case to be made there for manufacturers of these products. And then as a, as farmers, you know, we can probably look to some of these as opportunities to, you know, in the case of lameness, can we help as part of a corrective action plan to get our mildly lame, prevent our mildly lame animals from becoming more severely lame is, is, you know, changing her environment, but maybe pain management's part of that process as well. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it would be good if we could have, um, you know, maybe not, maybe not standardized across the board of the dairy industry, but certainly farm-specific treatment protocols mm-hmm. in place, where everything would be addressed kind of consistently in the same way. Because sometimes I think we use pain control a little bit willy-nilly. We might use it on one case, but another one we might say, mm, you know, she's not quite as bad, so maybe she's not going to get it. And and I feel like we need to be, if we want to really understand whether or not it's effective and and doing what we hope it is doing as far as, you know, improving recovery times. We need to do it in a consistent way and we need to help our um, veterinarians and and service providers in general need to help our producers come up with strategic plans about, about how to get that done. When is X drug required for Y procedure or, or you know, what what diseases require uh, pain control intervention? Mm-hmm. And it also brings up a, a point that I think we're you know both you and I and many others are always talking about is you know how the use of these products also needs to find their way into your treatment records uh, and, yes. and to, to be complete. Um, but I do wonder. I mean, for those out there that are listening and you're using some words like an NSAID or mm-hmm. you know anti-inflammatories in short-acting versus long-acting pain management. How, um, maybe could you, could you just briefly break that down for us a little bit, but one particular, um, question of interest for many, maybe what kind of withdrawal times do we have to worry about? You know, if we're using these products more, is that, are there implications from that standpoint or, or are they reasonably easy for us to manage when it comes to withhold times? Yeah, uh, it, it's a really important point because there are no pain control, um, options out there that don't have a withdrawal time. Right. So for the local block, we typically use a medication very similar to what you would receive at the dentist's office if you're mm-hmm. having a cavity filled. Uh, we use a product uh, normally called lidocaine, um, which does have uh, both a, a milk and a and a meat withdrawal. Um, we also use non-steroidal anti-inflammatories quite commonly for pain control. Um, the first one I'll mention is, is um, aspirin, which is, I will quite adamantly say is not pain control. It certainly can bring down a fever, but but it is not pain control. So um, I stand by the statement that there are no um, pain control medications out there that don't have a withdrawal time. Mm-hmm. Um, so so with, with aspirin off the table, um, you're left with uh, one of the more common ones is uh, anaphen, which um, doesn't have a milk withdrawal. So it's quite commonly used in the dairy industry, but it does have a very short meat withdrawal. Uh, and then the other options would be uh, banamine, um, which does, or, or uh, flunixin is, is the drug name. So there's a variety of different uh, products there, but it, it does have both uh, milk and a meat withdrawal. Um, 
And then uh, meloxicam, um, commonly known as medicam, or uh, there is an as an injectable, um, or there is an oral form from Solvet oral meloxicam, um, does have a milk withdrawal, but it also has a very significant uh, meat withdrawal. So very important considerations for um, producers when they're choosing which which product they want to use, um, based on what they foresee that cow's. Um, persistency in the herd. Mm-hmm. And I and I like that breakdown because it helps to showcase that we do have a variety of products. Like there are there are options for producers, and I think the probably the biggest recommendation we can make from sitting here in the room conducting a podcast is that if you're a producer listening to this, it's you know talk to your veterinarian about what are your options, what makes most sense for your specific situation, and what are the corresponding withhold times and other considerations that need to be made when using this in your animals, right? Yeah, absolutely. So to sort of round things out, one of the questions I like to sort of finish off with is, is do you have any bits of advice for producers who are uh, listening to this or even veterinarians or others that are listening to this about pain management and where we're headed in the dairy industry? Is there any sort of, you know, prevailing thoughts you might have that you'd want to leave them with about how we, how we look at pain management or how we approach it when, when managing and handling animals on our farms? Yeah, I, I think... The first thing is, is is kudos to everyone that's been involved in coming as far as we have. We've certainly come a very long way when it comes to pain control mm-hmm. um, in, in food animals in general, especially in cattle. Um, but we should keep advocating, right? I think there's, while we've come a long way, there's still room for improvement. And, and you know, we do have the, the new code of practice uh, that, that is coming along. So potentially there's going to be some changes there. We don't know yet, um, but that may imp- improve pain control even further. Um, but we need to keep advocating for the animals um, and producers in general. I mean, they, they want to do the right thing. They want to um, make sure that their animals are, are free of pain and are happy and healthy. And so I think that they will continue to, to utilize pain control in their day-to-day management. And there's never been a time where I have regretted giving pain control. That's one take-home message. You, you, you will not go wrong by making sure that pain is addressed. If you are questioning to yourself, hey, I wonder if this animal um, is in pain, you know, you're not going to go wrong by giving it pain control. That's great. Well, Kelly, thanks very much for taking the time to uh, to chat with us today a little bit about, you know, your perspective and, and what we know about pain management as it applies to the dairy industry. I think there's lots more to be learned and lots more progress to be made, but it's really encouraging to see how far we've come in a relatively short amount of time. Thanks for listening to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series. The focus of this project is to try and help Canadian dairy producers make informed decisions about animal care on their farms and support them in striving for continuous improvement. For more information, please visit the Dairy Farmer of Canada website, dairyfarmers.ca, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more content. This podcast was narrated, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Roach. Thank you to our guests and to you for listening. The project is hosted by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and partly funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a five-year federal, provincial, territorial initiative. Thanks for listening. <laughs>